Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 22. Hell yeah. We're, <laughs> we're chugging along. We're chugging along. We 22. Barely got 22 in right before the cut. You guys, okay, so this episode comes out tomorrow morning. It is Sunday night and Sally and I are scrambling to get this one in. Yeah, we're squeezing it in. I got just got back from visiting my mom and Jen has a show in about... 45 minutes. <laughs> so we had plans all week long too. It was one of those weeks where we had plans all week long on each day to record. And then each day something would happen. We'd be like, no, it's cool, dude. We'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, it's cool. We'll, we'll do, do it, it just, tomorrow. We'll just push it's it fine. We'll just keep doing it. And now we're, yeah. yeah. So her poor husband just um, literally just got home from, they both all got home from Florida and he got right back in the car with little Max. Yeah, well, you know, he so promised it a present, so wow. <laughs> we just really, well, uh, good. really yeah. good, good parenting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we'll give you a gift if you leave. He was like, okay. Oh my god, I had to um, bribe my son today to sit down and write with me because I still ha- I had a lot of writing left to do, and I oh, was yeah. like, hey, Sully, do you want to have like my daughter had a play date, but with Sully, I was like, do you want to like maybe go to the coffee shop with me and let's have like a coffee date and like you what write your your stories and I'll write my stories. Yeah. And uh, we ended up going to Doc Chase instead and getting some noodles and oh, writing because nice. he likes to write. So I was like, you take your computer and I'll take my computer. But he he was like, let's do this all the time. Really? Like, Hell yeah, like, dude. All right. Well, yeah. I got my little writing. You work on, you work on your screenplay. I'll work on my screenplay. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to be all bitter when he sells his <laughs> at I know, age 10. Right? <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. That's probably what's going to happen actually, but... <laughs> um, so we're here and we're back. We're here for, because we love you guys and we didn't want to disappoint you by, we don't want to be one of those podcasts that tells you we're going to be there and then does it. And then we just leave you high and dry. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we care about you. you. We love you. Um, should we do our quickies? Yes. I'm excited for quickies. Okay. So that means you're going first. I go soon. first. Okay. Okay. So Jen, you yes. know how I'm like a cold hearted asshole who doesn't like dogs that much? I mean, you're definitely a cold-hearted asshole, but I had no idea you didn't like dogs. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Oh. I was like, no, I mean, I no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I knew, yeah, I know you don't like dogs, but you're not a cold-hearted yeah, asshole. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not a dog person. Like, I don't, yeah. I just don't have a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't dislike. Like, I'm not mad when you're dogs. I mean, I only You don't, a like, bit. surf puppies on the internet like I do. I don't, know. Okay. I'm just like, okay. Okay, well, I have a story today about the love between a dog Aww. and its owner Aww. that just might... All my cold, dead heart. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So this is an article from The Telegraph by a writer named Sarah Napton. So Josie Conlon of Stockton on Tees, which is most definitely somewhere in England, is a good person because she got a rescue dog, right? So good person. Are your dogs rescue dogs? Yeah, my first one is a rescue dog, and the second one, my husband just came home with one day. Yeah. (laughs) But totally a rescue. He, He rescued it. From somebody. He had to rescue my husband when I was about to murder him. (laughs) Uh, So Ted the Collie, they think that he suffered a blow to his head from his former owners and that he was kept in a small cage. 
So because of that abuse, Ted was like rarely affectionate with Josie. And so that's why she thought it was really weird when Ted started crying and like whimpering and pawing and nuzzling her chest all the time. Like it was so persistent that it got to the point where Josie was like, I maybe I should get it checked out. And so it turns out that Ted had detected an aggressive tumor in her breast. Oh my God. And so the tumor was like particularly um, aggressive. I wrote aggressive again. (laughs) It was very aggressive. It was that, it was A-G-G. You're aggressive. (laughs) R-E-S-S-I-V-E. Be aggressive. Um, But it had been growing very quickly. And so when Josie went to the doctor, she was told if she had waited any longer, that she may not have survived. Oh my God, that's crazy. Right? And apparently I looked it up and this is like a thing that dogs can do, that there are dogs that can sniff out, they're trained to sniff out cancer. But Ted wasn't one of those dogs, but that is like a thing that dogs can do. So, but because they caught this tumor when they did, they were able to remove it. And then six months later, she was told that the tumor hadn't spread and she went through chemotherapy and radiation, but her prognosis was good. And so Josie, who's a mother of three, says that I think a lot of people would probably just push the dog away if it started clawing at their chest. But dog owners should take notice because Ted really did save my life. Wow, that's so cool. Isn't that amazing? Yes, I actually just saw this video that uh, like a viral video of a cat that saved a baby from falling down the stairs. What? It was caught on one of those home security cameras or whatever, but yeah. a baby got out of his crib and started to walk down this, uh, go towards the stairs. And this cat shot across the room and jumped on the baby and started like pouncing on it and yeah. pushed the baby back, uh, saved the baby from falling down That's the stairs. That's amazing. Google it. It's nuts. I'm going to Google it. Dude. Yeah, my like I swear to God, my dog like yeah. Frank. He is this is the one that herded all the goats, the yeah. hero. <laughs> also, the dog Me? that my husband showed up with. <laughs> yeah, I have like restless legs, and I know it sounds like a bullshit thing, and I would make fun of people for saying restless leg syndrome, but I definitely like my legs just crawl, like jump yeah. out of skin. And he sleep like lays on top of my legs when I'm sleeping, Aww. and then when I have bad dreams and stuff, and if I like I'm having like night tremors or whatever. He, I'll wake up and he is on me like, are, what's going on? Are you okay? He's Yeah, it's a rescue dog. Amazing. It's amazing. Dogs are amazing. Dogs dude. are amazing. They I are. mean, I don't want one just because I don't want to clean up poop. But otherwise... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm more bored Get with... one that cleans its own poop. Is that a thing? You can get one that eats its own <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's disgusting, but... <laughs> Then you also don't have to clean up their poop. Or you could pay a service to come. Yeah. I know people that do that. They pay people to come clean yeah. up. Yeah. I'm just waiting till my kid's old enough and then that'll be his job. And then yeah. he'll be scarred for life because that was my job as a kid and which is why I don't want to clean up poop. And there it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. Are you ready for my quickie? Yes. Oh, man. Mine is really fun. Okay. So it sounds like it's not fun. Well, it's not fun. Oh, but Jen. it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is, there's this uh, website in Australia called Women, but it's spelled like W-H-I-M-N, women.com. W-H-I-M-N. Women. Women. Okay. Okay. Um, and this story was told to the writer, um, Danielle Coley. It was told by someone, but this person wants her name to... Uh, 
she wants to remain anonymous for okay. her and her fiance's name, but this is the story that she told her. Basically, so the the names are have been changed to protect their identity. Okay. Um. It, so Casey couldn't wait to marry her fiance, Alex. They were together for six years, and she knew that like he was the one, and that he was the guy yeah. that she was meant to marry. She loved him so much, she couldn't wait. To for this big day and all of their family and friends were it was one of those relationships where everything's intertwined you right know, like yeah six years they're like one. yeah the families are all friends and they just she just knew that she was gonna live happily ever after and then the night of before her wedding so on her last free woman night she was at like a fancy hotel with all of her friends uh-huh. and all excited because the next day she's gonna wake up and she's gonna marry this guy and her phone started going off. So she goes over and she picks up her phone and she thinks it's just like going to be another text saying, congratulations, can we see you tomorrow in your dress or something like that. Or, you know, a nice note from her fiancé. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But instead, she sees that series of screenshots from like an unknown number that sent her with the caption, I wouldn't marry him, will you? And in it were screenshots of conversations between her husband-to-be and another woman. And it was like tons of them, selfies of them together. So it was undeniable that it was definitely the two of them. Yeah. Right. Um, She says, you know, she's Alex is, um, wait, is it Casey? Casey, Alex? They should have used, if they were going to use fake names, they should have used like, <laughs> yeah. a little more. Like, how about Tom and Alice? <laughs> right. Okay, so, so, how about Dick and Jane? Let's Casey. Like- <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So Casey um, said that she is like fair skin and blonde hair. And then the woman in the picture was dark hair and olive skin. And so, you know, it's definitely a different woman. Right. You know, and um, and there were like all these sexy messages like this weekend, you and I, it's on hot stuff. Bring your A game. Oh, my God. Yeah. Your body is fucking incredible. (laughs) Shit. Do you know how to use it? I wish my girlfriend had half the skills you do. No. So this woman knows. So she She knows. knows. Yeah. So fuck this other woman. Yeah. I know. (sighs) And I miss you so much. I can't stop thinking about L-S-F-ing you. What does that mean? L-S. L comma S. Oh, can I say what I think it is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel like really weird. Oh, L like Like, like, (laughs) I just got it. I don't like it. Gross. Okay. Good thing that they abbreviated that for a reason. (laughs) Jen and I are both like (laughs) red-faced. I literally just threw my sweater over my face. Like, no. I was like, do I have to say it? (laughs) I hate saying words like that. Anyway. um, So... She, like, uh, of course, she just, you know, burst into tears and couldn't believe it. And all night long, her girlfriends surrounded her and they were like, you know, fuck this guy, call the wedding off yeah. or whatever. But then some people, but she, like, loved him and she, she was all just so much. Yeah. Like, and everything was in place. The whole wedding was in place. Right. So she couldn't decide what she wanted to do. And, and her friends were like, you know, fuck him. But if you really love him, we'll be there for you no matter what you decide. Right. I mean, it is hard. Like, I I think I, at one point in my life, would have said, I mean, I know I've said this, like, no, forget it. If somebody cheats, that's it. But then, like, once your life is entangled with somebody else's, like, your families are together, you know, it's like, oh, well, we are, we have this life together. And so do I want to work on this and, like, 
rebuild or is this something that we can work on? And especially that's like, I mean, I can't even imagine like getting to your wedding, wedding day, day and yeah. being like faced with that decision. When the train's like already left the station and everything's happening. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? I mean, crazy. it's sad to be like, oh, all the money, but like all the money and like your parents and your family. And yeah, that's yeah. really hard to be like, okay, maybe we can just go through with the wedding and figure it out after. <sighs> yeah. Um, so... The day of the we- the wedding comes and, um, you know, she goes through all of the motions and she, you know, puts on her wedding dress yeah. and the- her friends are behind her and everybody is there and all of her family and friends are in the audience, the wedding audience. Yeah. <laughs> and so she walks <laughs> down the aisle, but when she gets to the end of the aisle, um, she turned around and she looked at her entire group of family and friends and said there will be no wedding today yeah in her wedding dress dun, while dun, he's dun, standing dun. at yeah the like aisle. she walked down yeah the yeah, aisle, yeah he's like, standing at the aisle like oh. he thinks she's coming to marry him and then she says there will be no wedding today it seems alex is not who i thought he was and then she sat there and read out loud in front of all of the their friends and family including his friends and family yeah and parents Every single text message, read it out loud. Yeah. Hell yeah. I know. That's why I was like, it's fun, Clapping. Right? Oh, captain, my captaining. Yeah. <laughs> Casey or whatever your name is, I'm on board. We're on board. So he, like, um, he tried to, like, grab the phone out of her hand and, like, hold her hand. And she was like, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> Not finished. And then he ended up just, like, storming out of the church and his best man, whatever, followed him. Yeah. Everyone looked absolutely horrified and then she said um this is a quote i love all of you and as horrible as this is i'm glad you are you are all here this will not be a wedding reception today but instead this will be a celebration of honesty finding true love and finding your heart even when it hurts and she said that you know the day wasn't how she planned it to be but it ended up being one hell of a party Oh, so, yeah. Good, so good for her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And thank God she, whoever sent that message, maybe it was that woman. Oh, do you think it wasn't? I thought, maybe. I assumed it was. You did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You're so yeah. much smarter. <laughs> I don't know. You know what LSing means? LLing and Sing and Fing. Yeah, I mean, I just said it. I mean, I, I thought I knew what effing well, was, so then I just worked backwards from there. Well, that woman still sucks, but it's yeah, a good she, she sent that to her. She asses and L's and F's, big D's. <laughs> hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a crazy, crazy story? I've been waiting for it all week. Yeah. Well, I've got a good one for you. Okay. So I got my information. This is from a Dateline episode. Yes. Because I think I'm real heavy into the Dateline podcast now. It's so good. I shouldn't say this because we're a podcast and we want to support our podcast. Yeah. But with the new Datelines coming out every day, like why even listen to it? Why are you even listening to us right now? Well, it's because we have a love story at the end. True, so true, it's like, true. yeah, like, I just feel awful after those. Listen to us. Yeah, yeah, listen to us. I also got information from ABC um, 7 in LA and um, from a Washington Post article. Nice. Um, so, real, you know, highbrow stuff. Yeah. Okay, so this is a story of the disappearance of Pamela Butler. Okay. 
So Pamela Butler grew up in a small house in a rough neighborhood in D.C. with her brother Derek and her mother Thelma, and her family described her as like the glue that held them together. She was the one that made sure the house was tidy. She made sure everybody was on track. Like she pushed herself and she pushed Derek to like get out, go to college, do do stuff. So um, she ended up staying in D.C. She was very close with her mother, and she went to work in the government. And she started in the Commerce Department as, like, a college intern and then rose through the ranks in, like, various government agencies. And she started making money, and she, like, shared her success with her family. Like, she took her ne- inner nephew, Brandon, when he was a teenager, she gave took her mother Thelma on trips. And so by her mid-40s, she was working at the EPA and she was doing well enough that she had bought a single family home in DC, which I mean, crazy expensive and like yeah. a nice neighborhood. And she had both a Mercedes and a Jaguar, which Jaguar. A Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know you no, knew the just, proper pronunciation. I just like to hear people say it, Jaguar. <laughs> I think that is how you're supposed to say it. But I say Jaguar because Jaguar. I'm oh yeah, that's how man. Yeah. <laughs> because because I'm just a person who I'm will never a have person. a Jaguar. <laughs> um, so she her friends say that she was like she was like had a great group of friends, um, but she and she was like wasn't looking to date casually. She was like wanted someone permanent in her life, you know. Mm-hmm. And so in September of two thousand eight, she started dating a man named Jose Rodriguez Cruz. So she told her friends they met online, but she told her friends that they met on like the train. Oh right, right. <laughs> yeah. And but they were like, uh, you don't even take the train. And she was like, okay, we met. <laughs> we met online. We met on Match dot com. Um, so Jose was like, a, he was a former military guy. Uh, he worked at a medical clinic um, and everybody liked him. Like they got pretty serious pretty quickly and she was spending all her time with him. He was buying her gifts and she was taking him out around town and Pam took Jose home for Thanksgiving. That was kind of like the first time that he met the family. It was like a really big deal for her to bring someone home uh-huh. because she was so close with her family and she wasn't... Like, she just wasn't a casual person, you know? So Jose, the family, like, loved the way that Jose treated Pam. Like, they said at dinner, she spilled a glass of wine or a glass of water, and he, like, jumped up to, like, clean it up for her. Yeah, right? And they were like, (laughs) okay. Um, And they said that she seemed really happy. And so they kept dating a few months in early 2009. The relationship was still going strong, and Jose... And Pam invited Pam's mom, Thelma, out for dinner on a Saturday. Um, this was in February. And so after they made the plans, Thelma realizes that the date they had set just happened to be Valentine's Day. And so she called Pam and was like, I don't think I should go out with you guys on Valentine's Day. And Pam yeah. was like, no, 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 no. Like, let's, we made this date. Let's keep it. So they were supposed to pick Thelma up at 3 p.m. and drive to the restaurant, which I think is hilarious <laughs> To eat dinner at 3 p.m. Yeah, 3 p.m. I like eating dinner at 3 p.m. I mean, in fact, it's a, what time is it? Right, it's 4.42, and I ate dinner at 3 (laughs) o'clock. I could definitely eat dinner right now. Um, So... So they were supposed to pick her up at three, but they didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And then, so Thelma called Derek, her brother, Pam's brother, and he was like, don't worry, they're they're like newly in love, and they're probably, it's Valentine's weekend, they probably just got caught up and doing their own thing. And so Thelma didn't worry, but then she couldn't reach Pam on Sunday or on Monday. 
Um, and then, so on Tuesday, Thelma and Brandon, um, who is Pan's nephew, went to her house to check on her and they found her mail piled up and inside they found things in disarray, which was not like Pam at all. It wasn't like torn up. It just, there were papers everywhere and they just were like, this is not like her at all. She's very tidy. And Thelma noticed that one of the blinds on Pam's dining room window was raised from the bottom. And she thought that was really unusual because... Pam was like super concerned with safety and security and her home was completely equipped with security cameras and alarm system. And Thelma knew that Pam had never like never kept her blinds raised because especially because she had those ones that you could raise from the bottom or the top or like lower from the top. And this was raised from the bottom because she didn't want anybody to see inside her home. So she always lowered them from the bottom. So Thelma was worried. And so she called Pam's work and found out that Pam had not shown up. And so she called Derek, who came to the house, and they checked the answering machine, and they found messages from Jose, who was looking for Pam, and they found a note from Jose saying, Pam, like, where are you? I've been, I'm here looking for you. Um, And so Derek calls Jose, and Jose says he hadn't heard from Pam. He said that he and Pam had actually broken up on Friday because Pam was upset that she was still in touch, that he was still in touch with a former girlfriend, and that they had had a big fight about it. And he was like, you know that Pam, she's jealous and she's a jealous type and it, it 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 broke down. So he said, I thought that we had ended it in a nice way, but I had come back into the house to get some of my stuff afterwards and she wasn't there. So that's mm-hmm. when he says he left the note. So Derek says he believed that Jose was being honest, but still he was worried about Pam. So he asked Jose if he could search his apartment and... So he went over to Jose's house and he looked around the apartment. Good for him, man. Yeah, and then he asked him. He was like, "Strip down, take your clothes." Good I want to. Yeah, man, he was like, he "I want to see." Yeah, he was like, "I want to see if you have any fresh scratches." And Jose complied with all of Derek's demands, and wow. Derek found nothing that would make him suspicious. And Derek went home and he reassured. He was like, I, "Jose seems like a good guy. I think it's fine." And um, I mean, not that Pam is fine, but that it wasn't Jose. So. Police searched Pam's house and they found no sign of forced entry, no sign of a struggle. And they thought that maybe she just walked away, that like maybe she was, this was not a crime, that maybe she just walked away from her life. And that never happened. Right? Even though it sounds awesome. (laughs) Right? Sometimes you're like, yeah, 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 just go. But that's never it. No, it's it's never never, ever what happened. Like she's not a teenager. She's a woman within her cars were there. So when they checked the surveillance camera, they found they found like something really strange. They found on Friday they saw her coming home. They see her checking her mail, and then they see Jose coming to the door with flowers, and then they see him leaving the next morning. And then just like he told them and told police, and then they see him coming in and out of the front door over the weekend carrying things out like a boxes, but they never saw Pam leave. But she was not in the home. Right. So Jose. So police questioned Jose, and he told them the same story. He told Derek. He gave them his DNA. They allowed p- police to search his car, to search his. They got a search warrant, went to his home. They found nothing. They tore up Pam's house, and they found nothing. Um, like, no blood, nothing. So they start looking at other suspects. I, I mean, of course, they thought Jose did it. He's like the one who was there. But so they turn first to Pam's nephew, Brandon, who had, it turned out Pam had kicked out of the house. Um, But pretty quickly he was cleared. He, because he had an alibi. And then 
Pam's cell phone pinged at a park in Maryland. And so her family is like, maybe she's alive. Her cell phone is on. But they never found Pam's cell phone and they never found any sign of Pam. So months go by and their like leads dry up and the family hears nothing from detectives. So one thing that is only because of what I'm about to say is that Pam, Pam Butler is black and Derek says that he believes that if Pam had been a white woman, that there would have been more attention on the case, which uh-huh. is yeah. probably 100% true yeah. because, I mean, here is this, you can imagine on if the wealthy, well-to-do white woman just went missing, it would have been a huge case, but there was like, you know, a blip and then nothing. I know, it's awful. But so Derek... He feels like police are not doing anything. So he starts making a nuisance of himself. Like he goes to the police um, station every week. He calls like three or four times a week. He starts, he's spearheading search efforts um, in the area where her phone pinged. He is making appearances on television to try to keep her name in the news and put keep pressure on the police. But then police decide, okay, we're going to follow the money. And then where does it lead them? To Derek. What? So they found out that Derek was actually the beneficiary on Pam's will and that Pam and Derek had been in business together. They had bought a building and a relative told detectives that Pam was getting ready to end her business relationship with her brother <gasps> because she thought that he was a bad manager. And then police got these anonymous text messages that say, you should check out Derek. He and Pam weren't as close as he makes out. Wow. And so they start thinking like, Derek's efforts to find a sister are all these like smoke and like a, just a smoke screen, right? Like yeah. a guilty conscience or something. So they question Derek several times, are unable to find any evidence that he had anything to do with Pam's disappearance. That is where the investigation stood for seven years. So seven the, years. Yeah. So Holy the family shit. held vigils every year and tried to prod the police into doing more, but there was nothing. So then in 2016, a judge declared Pam officially dead, which actually was a good thing because it turned her case from a missing person's case into an unsolved homicide. And that meant that the D.C. police could dedicate more resources to her disappearance. And now it was a cold a cold right. case instead of just a missing person's. So, but now does Derek get everything in her will? You know what? I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know, but he did. I mean, he got not only the business, but also yeah. he was the beneficiary. So, I assume once she was declared dead, that yes, wow. yes. So, veteran cold case detective Mike Fulton was assigned to the case, and he decided he is going to start this investigation from day one. And but he's going to not look at this as a disappearance, like police were originally looking at it, but as a murder. And so he goes through everything. He looks back at all of the people that police had looked at, in particular, Derek and Jose. And so he starts with Derek, knowing that he was the one that benefited. And he questioned Derek, asked him to give DNA, and he told him to stay close. He was like, don't be, don't be surprised if I come and knock on your door. And, wow. and so he then turned back to Jose and this is where he found something that investigators had missed all those years oh, earlier. Oh, God damn it. So <laughs> Detective Fulton dives into Jose's background, and he finds out that Jose's first wife, Marta, had gone missing too. Oh, my God. How did they not see that first? Right? So in 1989, a police officer arrested Jose when he saw Jose beating Marta in the street. So here is <gasps> the reason why they didn't find it before, because... so. 
the police officer stopped, talked to Marta, and she told the police officer that, that Jose, officer, the police officer, uh, police officer that Jose, this is where my brain shut off. <laughs> I was like, I was doing really well up until here, and now it is gone. So he talked to, talked to Marta, and she said that Jose had kidnapped her and had sexually assaulted her. Oh, my God. And so Jose got arrested on kidnapping and sexual, sexual assault charges, but then those charges were dropped when Marta failed to show up for court. So that's why they didn't find it because there was no, there was no an actual arrest. Yes, there was an arrest, but there wasn't a charge. Like he was charged and then it was dropped, so it right. wasn't on his didn't show up on his record because he wasn't convicted of anything. Jeez. So when she didn't show up for court. That was because she had she gone missing. missing. Oh, my God. Jose and Marta had a son who Jose had continued to raise after Marta disappeared. And Detective Fulton tracked down the son, who was now in his 30s. And the son tells Fulton that he lived in terror of his dad. <gasps> he said that his dad remarried and that he often threatened his new wife once with a gun. And then he tells Fulton that one time when he was 10, he was hiding from his father in Jose's library, and he saw a paper. He found a paper that said, I, Jose Rodriguez, killed Marta, and then it laid it all out. And he said that it was, he thought it was a suicide note and a confession. Oh, my God. But the son never told anyone because he was too scared. Scared of his dad. Yeah, and he was 10, Holy and he shit. didn't think anyone would believe him. And so, but the problem was that shortly after the disappearance, police in Florida checked on this, and they found Marta. They were like, we we went and found we found her, so she is not dead. So they didn't... What? So, so did she just walk away and start a new life and we were wrong and people do do this? Well, that is what police thought. And so that is why Jose was never connected to this missing persons case. But Fulton was like, this is... Something is wrong here. This is too similar to what happened to yeah. Pam. So he got a, a photo of Marta and compared it to the woman who police had talked to in Florida, and it was not a match. Oh, my God. So they had talked to somebody who said she was Marta, but it turned out when he contacted her, it came out that she was an undocumented relative of Jose's. Oh, my God. And he had given her Marta's social security number and date of birth, and she had assumed Marta's identity. So she had been living since, like, 1991 as Marta. Whoa. For... And so when police were like, oh, we found her. She's, yeah, she's just down here. But they never actually found her. So so now detectives are like, oh, we're not just dealing with Pam's disappearance. We're also dealing with the disappearance of his first, of Jose's first wife. Yeah. So they flew the son out to D.C. And he gives them like the testimony of saying he found this note. And then also he gave them his DNA. So they put the DNA in the system and they get a match to a Jane Doe who had been found years earlier by relic hunters in Virginia and it was Marta. So they found a body. I mean, oh my God. An actual. So now they had a dead, a dead person and they learned then that Jose was living with another woman who had a young child and so they felt like they needed to get him off the streets because they just were like, he has this history, yeah. obviously, with women. The the other wife they knew of, he had beat. So they arrested Jose for the murder of Pam. 
And Jose was calm. He continued to deny that he had anything to do with Pam's murder, but the circumstantial evidence was like stacking up. So, I mean, they had the first wife's body. They had the second wife who confirmed that she had been beaten and assaulted over and over. The second wife told detectives that Jose had told her that he knew how to make sure a body was never found. Um, And they also had a friend of Jose's who said that Jose had told him that it was easy to get rid of a body, that if you dig a hole deep enough, no one will ever find it. Oh my God. They also found out that Jose had been discharged as a military officer after he had threatened to harm his female superior officer twice. He was yeah. a he was a police officer in the military and they had another woman who said that who had worked with Jose who said that she, he had duct taped her, held a gun to her head and sexually assaulted her in 2004. Oh my god, that's horrible. Yes, so he's a awful psycho. Horrible person. Yes. So then they had the testimony of the son, and then they also had the fact that Jose was the only person in and out of the house over the weekend. So it was looking not great for him. So Jose decided to play the only card he had left, which was he agreed to give the police the location of Pam's body (gasps) and the details of her murder in exchange for a plea deal, and that deal would only give him 12 years in jail. Oh my God, did they take it? Yes. Oh my God. Because it had been nine years, they had no, I mean, and they didn't even have any direct evidence. They didn't have a body. They didn't have anything that actually connected him. But that's what's so fucked up is like, that's an admission right there. Oh, right. But yeah, it's like, he's saying he did it. Yeah. But then they're fucked. Yeah. They couldn't use that in court unless they take (sighs) it. So, so he finally tells them on the, that on the Friday night, Before Valentine's Day, he and Pam had gotten to an argument, and according to him, she was nagging him about not having a better job, and she called him a pussy, and he lost it. Which is just like fucking fragile ego. You're like, you're not a tough guy. Yeah, you are a pussy. And then he strangled her to death. Oh my god. Um, So then, the reason she was never seen was because he put her body in a black plastic trash bag. And when it was dark, he opened the window, that window that her mother had noticed the shade was up, and dropped her body out of the window. And he knew that the security cameras did not cover that part of the house. So he put her in his trunk and drove away and buried her in a wooded median on I-95. And unfortunately, the median had since been paved over to create HOV lanes, so her body couldn't be recovered. And it turns out that Pam was buried just a few miles from where Marta was found. And Marta was also found in an I-95 median. Oh my God. In Virginia. Derek, although at the time he had agreed that the plea deal was the right thing to do, he felt cheated because they wanted to recover her remains. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, but he also said like, I don't believe that he, this was justice, but I also know that we would have never, I mean, because of where what happened to the body, we would have never found her. You know, I mean, this yeah. was such a fluke that he even is in jail and being, been arrested at, a time, at the time. So, but he said he wasn't finished seeking justice. Good. And so he contacted Marta's son and together they started a crusade to get prosecutors to bring charges against Jose in Marta's case. So on October 18th of this year, a Virginia prosecutor held a press conference and announced that Jose had been charged with first-degree murder and the unlawful concealment of Marta's body, and Derek Butler was at that news conference. Hell yeah. And that's my crazy story. Oh my God. And that twists and turns. That is crazy. And I, I oh man, to think like that her, 
there was surveillance cameras and he was the only person seen there, but he was still able to get away with it for seven years. Right. I mean, because, you know, at first I was like, well, was he bringing her body out when he brought stuff? But yeah. apparently it was like all small things. And so, I mean, they just were like, there's no way. I mean, it was broad daylight. Just the fact that he could get away with two murders and beating people and raping people. Right. And then... And be seen on camera going in and out and then get away with it for that long. Right. It's crazy. So he has not yet been convicted. No, before. so this yeah, just so he this was just, just charged. Ooh, but we have to follow it. Yeah, we'll give an update Ay-yay. when it comes back. He is, um, because he's, the 12 years started in 2017. So, I mean, he would be out in 10 years, <sighs> which is not enough. No, not, not at enough. All. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Sorry, that was a, a bit of a bummer, but I thought it was really no, crazy. No, it's, it's, it is crazy. Okay, hey, Sally. Yes, Jen. Are you ready for a love story then? Mm. That's what you're getting <laughs> me back for last week. That's fine. No, yes, it. I am. I am. I need no, it. Okay. I need it. I want it. You know I love a love story. I can't help myself. I know. <laughs> well, this is the real cute one. It's the real, real good one. Oh, there's going to be, this is another one of those ones where you're like, are you sure it's a good one? Yeah. Right. Okay. I like it. I like to, you know, I like it to, when you play with my it's emotions, right? You're like, you got to get the lows it's to then get that big high. It's a of love. <laughs> oh, no. See, I'm a really good singer. <laughs> Jen and I were pretending, we were like playing around being like, ah, oh, beforehand, doing a sound check. And I was like, that sounds good. She was like, did it? <laughs> Am I actually good? And I didn't know this whole time. It did sound um, pretty good, but um, I'm not a good singer. Yeah, me um, neither. So Harold Holland and Lillian Barnes were teenagers when they met and fell in love in a restaurant in the small town of Salt Lake, um, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, now I like don't like the word "lake" after the first quickie. <laughs> <laughs> Salt L, Kentucky. So not too long after, they ended up tying the knot on Christmas Eve in 1955, and wow. they were su- yeah, they were super young. She was 16 and he was 20. Wow. Get married at 16. No. Well, Dude. it was 1954 in Kentucky, so maybe different times. Yeah. Was she pregnant? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, not that it but, matters. It's fine. What was I just watching the other day? And it's like a classic story. And then the fact that the girl is 16. A Little Mermaid, dude. Wait, what? Yeah, I was watching on TV when they did like the remake of Little Mermaid. Yeah. Like, John Samos was in it. I have to watch John Samos. (laughs) I didn't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) I had to watch it. So we were watching it. And then I realized that the story about Little Mermaid is her her telling her dad, like, I'm 16. And then he, she, like, then all of a sudden falls in love with Eric. And then goes and goes and lives on land and marries him. She's 16. Her dad was right. Maybe a mermaid was right. I don't know. Maybe 16 in mermaid years is like And did 30, Eric even 35. ask how old she was? <laughs> well, how old is he? Didn't he didn't even give a shit. He didn't even care that she couldn't talk. <laughs> no, he was like, ooh, this is, I like this. this I know. Great. I just like the way that she stares at me and smiles. <laughs> I'm into it. Anyway, I got off track. Okay, so she was 16 and he was 20. Yeah. And they remained married for 12 years. And over the course of their 12-year marriage, they ended up having five children. Wow. Uh, Miriam, Timothy, Mark, Laura, and Larry. 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 So Harold, admittedly, during their relationship, was a total workaholic. He worked like seven days a week. And she was a stay-at-home mom to the five kids. So you can imagine, like, how hard that was. Yeah. And he also says that, you know, that 
during their marriage, um, Lillian was just like a really loving and attentive, wonderful wife and mother and mm-hmm. she never complained once. Like she was yeah. just like happy Lillian living her life. But and she didn't know any better. She got married when she was 16. Yeah, she was that's like, right. oh, this is how it is. She's like, I'm not at my parents' house. This is great. <laughs> I got someone I can boss around now. <laughs> yeah. um, Get out of here, Larry. I don't have a curfew. <laughs> you know, so him being a workaholic and her, she was so wonderful, but despite her being so wonderful and he admitted that it was all on him but they ended up getting a divorce in yeah. 1968. They both went on to live their lives and Lillian went on and married a man named Ted Mallon and they ended up having two more children um, Susan and Ted too or Ted the second. <laughs> Ted no, too like sounds Ted like, the, like movie. the movie The Bear. Yeah. Like the Ted too. Ted too. Ted <laughs> she a had baby. a little bear that curses at her. <laughs> And it's sexually inappropriate. Anyway, so uh, sadly, in, in 1986, Ted died of a massive heart attack. Oh. Very sad. And then she remarried in 1988 to a man named Arvel Barnes. But Get then it, Lillian. Sadly, oh, no. in January 2015, Arvel passed away. So the, that was a pretty good amount of time. It wasn't like right after, right. you know, but still, it said that he passed away. Yeah. And so over... In Harold Land, um, in, <laughs> in 1975, um, he married a woman named Maudie Corum, and she uh, she was a widow with three children. So then he ended up having three more children. Man, um, so so many kids in the story. I know, and he said he cared for her children as if they were her own, and he still does to this day. Okay. So, um, but because Maudie tragically suffered from lupus and died of liver disease in 2015. Jesus. So 2015 was the same year that Lillian's third husband Arvel passed away. Uh huh. So here we are in 2015, and both Harold and Lillian are single again. Um, now, because they had five children together, they always remained in touch, right. you know, and uh, they were amicable and friendly throughout the course of their marriage, uh, of their other marriages, I mean, just because they didn't work out, like, there's no reason to not get along. Right. Harold says that, I wouldn't call it close friends, but we got along, said for the kids' sake more than anything else. But so in 2005, when they were both unmarried, they kind of started to connect more. Yeah. Uh, Lillian says, we were both lonesome and lonely, and whenever the kids visited me, I would ask about him, and whenever they visited him, they'd ask about me. There was still loving and caring there. So they eventually came together at a family reunion and rekindled their romance. Okay. So, uh, yeah. One thing led to another, and then Wait, they had... question. Yeah. Why were they at a family reunion together? <laughs> Um, probably because all their kids are, oh, yeah. gotcha. oh so one of their kids' family reunions. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one thing led to another and they had dinner together and then Harold says, we got a little more friendlier when we were alone. Uh-huh. And Harold right, says, Harold. she hasn't changed in 50 years. She was a beautiful black haired girl with brown eyes. She's still the same, but her hair is white now. Mine is too, he says. <laughs> he said that he was surprised that she gave him another chance. He takes her responsibility for their first marriage not working out because you know he was worked so much yeah and um he said that there were other issues he preferred to keep private mm-hmm. but she added that she had forgiven him sounds like cheating <laughs> sounds like maybe he did some ellen effin and an ellen and s and an f with yeah like i that makes sense because you know, if she never complained once and he's like it just didn't work out i just like, she was so lovely and amazing but i work so much right but she never complained about it but we got a divorce it's like no you 
No. You probably did some Harold. Yeah, we got you, Harry. We got your number. So before long, they were talking about remarrying. So 50 years after they had divorced, wow. Harold is now 83 and Lillian is 79. And the couple started planning their wedding. So the first... Do you think their kids are like, yay? Or are they like, oh my God. So yeah, so they're all like, yay. (laughs) All the kids were gay. So the first step was they had to tell all the kids. And with their blended family, it includes 10 children, more than 20 grandchildren, and 30 plus great grandchildren. Oh my God. It says he had lost count exactly because there's so many. So they have the (laughs) hugest family. And they're all thrilled. Joshua Holland, their 34... Four-year-old grandson told the Washington Post. Um, by the way, I forgot to mention who, um, where I got my sources from, and I'm yeah. going to mention at the end of this. So stay tuned. Um, <laughs> one of them is the Washington Post. Um, uh, so spoiler. I saw them. He said, "I saw them a couple months ago, and I'm telling you, it's like puppy love. They call each other Honey Sugar Baby, all these pet names. They light up when they see each other. They're like two teenagers in love. They hold hands. They and they joke with each other. So Joshua Holland, they're 34-year-old grandson is also a pastor in New Orleans who actually ended up officiating their wedding, uh, which was held at Trinity Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky on April 14th, 2018. During the ceremony, Harold wore a black suit with a lavender tie, and she wore this like pretty lavender dress. I'll, I'll post pictures. Yeah. And they um, had a lovely wedding surrounded by all... Five million of their family members. Yeah, I mean, you could uh, only invite your immediate family to that because that. Yeah, that there's no room for anybody else. There's five thousand of them, but they were all happy that quote unquote grandma and grandpa. Grammy, that's not what they said. Uh, (laughs) Grandpa married grandma again. Harold told people.com, that's my other story. I'll get to that. He said, it was emotional for me, I'll be honest. She stood up and I shed a few tears. It went back to the old time. She was beautiful when I married her at 17 years old, and she's beautiful now. Uh, we want to be together to walk that last long road and be companions. We're both older and more mature. When we were younger, we just didn't have time for each other. Well, Harold, I think you didn't have time. But <laughs> uh, we didn't have time for each other, and now we do. We started out the first mile together, and now we'll walk the last mile together. Oh. And as for their honeymoon, Harold said, I'll take her anywhere she wants to go. I don't care where it is. I told her that we could go anywhere she wants. Life is going to be great. Oh, that's a good one. Isn't that sweet? It is really Besides sweet. Besides cheating, Harold, get it together. But so my sources were People Magazine article written by Shar Adams and the Washington Post article written by Allison Klein and an NPR story by Ian Stewart and Emily Sullivan. Thank you, you guys. Thank you. All right, should we do things that are dumb and things that we love? Yeah. So I go first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my thing that is dumb is and that I love is all wrapped up in one um so it was my birthday yeah I know yeah happy birthday Sally <laughs> and that's yeah. so dumb um no it's awesome but uh so for my birthday I <clears throat> this year and last year went to my friend Dr. Dudefuck Dr. Dudefuck <laughs> to her family's lake house which is in Tennessee it's about four hours from here and it's my favorite place in the world I've talked about it before it's yeah. so beautiful and so we've gone, usually in the summer, we go with like our families, with um, our friend Grace and her family and our kids and everybody, and then and Aaron's sister. But then over this weekend in the fall, it's just 
the three of us, just the girls. We were all set to go, and then Aaron got a crazy Aaron Doctor Doom fucking oh, no. <laughs> got a like crazy um, stomach bug. No, and she's one of those people. She is like Ben. She is not. She never gets sick. And when she does get sick, she is like plows through it. Like she yeah. was at my house because she's a doctor. Because she's a doctor, and she's Dude, like, fuck. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck around with this. And <laughs> like when she was in my house in May, she got a stomach bug. Like we all got it, and she went to the she diabetic so she had to like she it's really dangerous for her yeah. to get stomach bugs because she can't eat so then her blood sugar goes down so she at like 10 o'clock at night went to the emergency room got an iv they were there until like two in the morning and then the next day she's like all right let's go <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's wow. like we went to the aquarium she was like i am not letting this stop me so oh, wow but so I knew it was really bad when she was like, I can't come, you guys. Yeah. And she was like, cry like this. And so it Aww. sucked, but we still went. Like, Grace and I still went. And her parents are there who are, like, my second family. Um, and it was just so nice. It was, like, a really nice week. I mean, we missed her so much, but it was just, like, like Grace and I, like, laid on the dock. And we went paddle boarding. And we ate really great food and drank wine and we had just like really nice conversations with our parents and we made vision boards dude and so stuff is about to happen Hell guys yeah. um i don't want it i'm not gonna spoil it but good stuff's gonna happen yeah so anyway so that is the thing that i loved is just Man, that awesome. yeah I'm i got to have got a, a really nice getaway a nice getaway happy was, birthday sally thank you and jen wrote me like the sweetest so i think one of the coolest things i think we talked about at your birthday what I think one of the coolest things about Atlanta comedy is how supportive everybody is. And so there's like a Facebook group. And whenever it's somebody's birthday, someone will post this really nice post about it. And then everybody will like pile on with just like amazingly nice things. And it's so nice and supportive. And um, and I love it when I see I see other people happen for other people. And then Jen wrote this really nice post for me and it made me cry. Oh, so great. I'm glad I can make you cry on your birthday. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> it's like I was uh. giving you a present. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Well, um, so I'll start with something dumb and then so I can end it with something good. But I think, uh, so something dumb, This I just wanted to talk really quickly about it has, I don't know why this has bothered me so much, but luckily most people are like supportive, but like people freaking out all over social media about Keanu Reeves' girlfriend, Alexander Grant. Like, why are they freaking because out? Because it looks like she's older or whatever. And they're like, oh my God, like... Like just it, it's you know it's who's writing it. It's like dudes are writing something about it, oh. and it's like actually she's forty six and he's fifty five. Yeah, so fuck off. So fuck off. Like he's and dating. Yeah, and she's he's a dating gorgeous, like kind of an age appropriate woman. Yeah, and who he's is an older adult. than her. Yeah, and, and yeah. she's gorgeous, and she um and she's really accomplished artist. Right, you know, and they've been friends for a long. I like looked more into it, but yeah. they've been friends for like. For years, and they worked together, co-wrote a book together called Shadows, and they co-founded a publishing house called X Artist Books, uh-huh. and that's dope. I mean, they have, and fuck everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to explain their relationship to you, but it just makes me mad because it's like because the only reason, and her face, she is young. Her face is young. Look at her face. It's just because she has like white hair. Yeah, that everybody thinks she's older, but it's like that's what our hair is. Okay, because yeah. I'm tired of dying mine. <laughs> tired like, of it. You're like let this lady make it cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alexander Graham, for making gray hair cool yeah. and. 
we should all follow suit because I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm tired of the bullshit too. Tired of it. And so that's the something dumb. That's dumb. But uh, things that I love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While you were um, on your birthday weekend, yeah. I was celebrating my um, cousin Jen and my friend Will's wedding yeah. and I officiated it. Oh, I, the pictures were so amazing. The, whoever her photographer was, I mean, I guess I, I hate that I don't know it off the top of my brain but if you go on my instagram you can yeah. see because i but um she her we can, we'll wedding, post a link on our instagram yeah, her tour. wedding photos were fucking gorgeous amazing and she got them like right away which is so crazy i couldn't believe it I yeah. mean, they, and they were amazing but yeah like i was nervous i was super nervous yeah. about officiating i wanted to do a good job for them and i wanted to do a good job for my aunt rosemary and right. i just like i didn't want to let everybody down but it ended up being amazing and their their vows to each other were just incredible yeah and, and um and I almost thought about doing them as a love story because as I dive deeper into like how the story of when they got together, uh-huh. there's more twists and turns to it that you are really do it next week. Cool. I'll do it next week or the week or after when that. It's my turn to do a love story. Yeah. I'll tell it then. Yeah, but it's a really it's a really good one. We yeah. don't need just stranger so. love stories. Which yeah. makes we, me think, which is why we want you guys to write your love stories and send them to us. Because yes. I mean, John and Karen's was beautiful. It was beautiful. I loved their love story. So send it to us. We we forget to tell you guys where to send it, but it's dumblovepod at gmail.com. Yes. And we love any kind of stories that have to do with love. We love crazy ones. We love ones where they end up bad. And we love love stories. And I think you guys do too because you listen. Yeah, totally. And if you don't, you should quit listening. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you just really love it when people mess up words and you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) I listen for that. You really like people saying like and um a lot. Uh Then you should listen to dumb love. Man, well, another we did great it. week, man. Another- <laughs> we did it. Got it in right under the wire. All right. You got to go to do a show. It. I got to go do a show. Gonna- and now you got to edit this shit. Yeah. And thank you, Sally, for being <laughs> so amazing. And being oh, you're the world's welcome. greatest <laughs> co-host. I think you're the Empire world's greatest night. co-host. <laughs> no, you um, really are, though. And you deserve all the credit. You're uh, the best. Yeah, I don't. But um, thank you. And... You you guys, thank you for listening. Try to share us with a friend. That's like the best thing. If you like the show, the way that we can grow is if you share it with a friend. Yeah, just tell somebody you think might like dumb love about dumb love. Yeah, and then get out there and go do something dumb for love. Dum 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 dum.